All right. Here we are, episode three of the third 50. Uh, my good friend Wayne, um, Glenn, I guess we'll get the names up. Uh, so hide that so everybody knows who we are. Um, episode three, we got some fun comments uh, on the first the first one. The, the second one actually will uh, publish tomorrow. Um, so we're a little bit ahead. And uh, you've been up early talking to coaches already this morning, and I've had a couple lessons already today. And so still thick in it. How was your meeting this morning? Yeah, it was good. I spoke to some coaches in Ireland and around speed development, and it's one of my favorite topics. I know we're talking about doing a show specifically on speed development, but yeah, it's it's such a, a great topic. It, it's Remember Gennady Tereski used to say, Glenn, it's the most precious thing in our sport. He said, every time a swimmer walks into the pool, it's about getting faster. And it's, it's a, a topic and, and a level of understanding in our sport that we've got to master. And I think there's some great, great swimming coaches doing some amazing things in sprinting in the US, straight around the world, UK, South Africa. There's some brilliant coaches with some new ideas on speed development. I think it's a great topic for us to look at in another episode. Well, I mean, especially, you know, we've got the short course season going crazy right now. Um, and I mean, to imagine, I, I know we're going to talk short course times here, short course yards, but uh, I I have to apologize. I just saw it very, very briefly, but one of the swimmers, I think from University of Tennessee, split 18 seconds in a 50 fly on the medley relay. So when we talk about speed, it's a new game. There was another 17 done in the 50 free. Uh, so it, we're talking ultimate speed. And it's funny, I was listening to uh, Brett, Brett Hawk and, uh, on, his, on his podcast, and he had uh, a bunch of Aussies on with him. And they're like, we don't get this short course yards thing. You know, it's just like, you know, uh, they said that they, uh, they're breaking records every time they swim. And what Brett said is that, look, we have Olympic champions now swimming in college. And so it's, it's going to get there. So fast swimmers are fast swimmers no matter where they are. And the thing that I love about short course swimming, as far as short course yards, it is literally the fastest swimming on the planet. When you look at sheer velocity, it is the fastest swimming on the planet. And so from a, from a fan standpoint, it is incredibly fun to watch. And then when you get the college aspect, there's the cheering and the atmosphere that sometimes you don't get unless you see that person's going to break a world record. And then the 10,000 people in the Olympic stadium start to cheer. You know, it's every race is like that at NCAAs and conference meets. And it's, it's just thrilling, thrilling meet. One of the most exciting ever. Have you, have you ever been to one of the NCAA championships? Yeah. I've been lucky to be to two or three and, and it's, it's a, it's a thing that we don't generally see in Australia. The closest that we've got, is that we have these really intense senior high school competitions mm. where seven or eight high schools will come together, usually in Melbourne, Sydney, or Brisbane. They'll come together and it's close. But, it, you know, when you go to some of those big two-way meets and it's head-to-heads and it's two colleges with 100 years of history and, and real combat against each other, it's a scary environment. It's, it's like going to football in the pool. It's great. That's absolutely it. Um, I listened to a great podcast this week. It's called Freakonomics Radio, and it was about the specialization of basically American football. And um, long story short, and they focused on the long snapper, which is the person that that snaps the ball, hikes the ball only on uh, punts and field goals. And they talked about the precious uh, the preciousness of the roster spot. And why teams would spend a million to a million and a half dollars on someone that that plays maybe seven to eight plays a game, and they talked about making sure that that is perfect, that this one task this person has, and so they they recruited or they brought on the podcast the leading teacher of long snapping in the world, basically, and he talked about how the ages of athletes that he's getting started at college and then started to come down. And what he said was just, it was beautiful to me. He said, if I can get the kids before puberty and teach them the mechanics of the movement, once they grow, they become turbocharged and they become experts. Well, wow. Now, I have said this for so long. I've written articles about it, about what is the most important thing that we can do with our young swimmers? That is teach, 
technical aspect, not conditioning, but just teach them the skill of swimming, which I think is what we're going to be talking about a lot today. So have it confirmed by someone in a completely different sport was just wonderful to me. The technique rules. That's the that's the bottom line. I know even just the chat I had with the Irish coaches, I said that you, you've got to think that there's three concepts are married in our sport, which is speed, relaxation, and technique. Mm. And it's not about counting repeats. It's repeating excellence. And the, the remember we used to do those old drills, those spin drills, just tell the kids to throw their arms. Yeah. It's it's really not where it's at. The 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 swimmers that are going fast have got great skills, brilliant technique, outstanding underwater. There is no just throw your arms as quickly as you can anymore. Sprinting's a lot more technical, a lot more precise, very deliberate, and it all comes back to their ability to sustain and maintain great technique at high speed under pressure and fatigue. But it starts so rightly as great technique. Well, I mean, you know, when we think about it, we have to we have to continue to think about water as a substance, the thickness of water and, and the thinness of water. I've always thought about it in, in a couple different ways. One is the thickness of water that we have to cut through. We have to shape our body just right in order to reach the speed that we want to go. And we have to understand the faster we go, the greater the resistance, the cleaner the body has to be. It's so simple. Um, one of the drills I did in the backyard with my seven-year-old daughter, when she was seven, we did head lead kick. We just had our hands down by our sides and we did head lead kick. And we started the pool set at 2.15 and we went five seconds faster every time. And I ask my students when they come here, who won? You know, I'm still a decent swimmer and my daughter's seven. And so, you know, I kind of trick them into that. And they say, well, you won. The, the reality is we tied. The, the, the size of my shoulders is so much greater than hers that you cannot overcome surface tension and resistance by force. You can only do it by shape. And I, I guarantee you, every swimmer that I've had in the backyard pool will fail within five to seven seconds of everybody else. And it's that, that combination of size, power, and resistance. And if we don't teach people how to avoid resistance, it doesn't matter how good the rest of the stuff is. You just, you're just fighting it. Yeah, true. I, I, a story I don't think I've ever shared with you is I was talking to the great Australian breaststroke coach, Terry Gathercole, who's no longer with us. And he coached Lindley Frame, who won the 100 breast at the 91 World Champs, and Phil Rogers, 92, uh, 100 uh, breaststroke in Barcelona. I think silver medal. I uh, could be wrong on that. It's somebody I'm sure will send a, a note into us, but great, great breaststroke coach. And I was going through university at the time. And he said, if you want to do something useful for the sport, why don't you have a look at what frogs do when they go fast? And I was excited by that, Glenn. So I contacted the Australian National University about 10 minutes from the Institute of Sport in Canberra. And they gave me access to these aquatic frogs called Xenopus lavis, who live in the water all the time. They don't get out and hop around. And we did what fast film. So we did 200 shots per second or whatever it was. So using some fast video. And I've got to do the hands, right? So imagine that there's my frog is normally their sort of body shapes a bit like this, a bit rounded. And what we did is we just tapped the end of the tank very gently because I know there's probably some animal rights people listening. But we did, we just tapped the end of the tank gently. And the frog got a little bit scared. You know what the frog did, Glenn? It pulled. It's shaped like that. When we analyzed the film, the first thing the frog did before kicking and getting its legs in a breaststroke type kick style, it pulled its body shape to be like that. And when I saw it and I sat down, I showed Terry, I said, mate, it's incredible. Frogs have had it right for millions of years that to go fast, it wasn't let's just kick our legs as hard as we can. It was this immediate instinct. I'm scared. I have to go really quick. And they pulled their skin tight to make it that shape. And I, and I thought it, you know, such a basic, simple, beautiful little creature has got it that moving through water is all about shape. I was just looking for it. It's the African clawed frog. So I have to, <laughs> but I can't find a video on it. So we're going to look for that. We're going to look for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
because that would be so cool because it is so true. It's it's the timing of breaststroke as well as making sure that the the front of the body is ready to accept the propulsion that the legs are about to give. Yeah. And we go back to like the old school drills that kick your hands forward sort of thing. And it's like, no, the hand should be forward before the kick comes in. And so, uh, but again, I, I did find the frog I, and with horrible spelling. Thank goodness that the autocorrect does a, a good job there. So it really kind of leads us to what we're going to talk about today, which is what you and I agreed on is called the technical eye or you know, when you're just looking at someone, uh, you know, the the thing that I've always said is that it's easy. You can teach anyone to see what is wrong with a swimmer. But then the question is, what is the next step in teaching them how to fix that sort of thing? So uh, when you're thinking of the technical eye, we're going to go to the next uh, the next thing here. I love the way that you said this, because I always say tips to toes, fingertips to toes. And so you said tips of fingers to tips of toes. So um, explain to me what you meant by that. Yeah, it's it's a concept around, as you say, it, quite often I think we look with a coach's eye or an analyst's eye or a swimming enthusiast's eye. We, we look and we go, there's something that's not quite right there. And the best example I can give is I was looking at a triathlete last week and I was just at the pool with my 12-year-old son and a triathlete came in and uh, you could tell because all their equipment matched in color. And uh, there's a great line I like, which is how do you know a triathlete's in a bar? They'll tell you, but <laughs> it was, but it, it came in and in, 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 um, in old style, he was about six feet, two inches tall. He's a big guy, very lean, great shape. And he got in a 25 meter, a short course pool. And he took 26 strokes from one end to the other. Now, so immediately I'm looking, hang on, this guy's this guy's getting towards two meters tall. He's doing a four meter, five meter push off. His distance per strokes about 0.6 of a meter. This, there's something not right here. So there's a lot. There's, there, there's an alarm going off saying there's something not working here because there's not an efficiency or a smoothness. I, all right. So, all right. Well, what do you do from there? So you've identified that. Then the technical eye says, I've got to try and now figure out because so much of coaching is problem solving. I've got to go, all right, let's have a look. So I walked alongside him for a little while and the idea is, all right, I've seen the big picture. Wow. Very short distance per stroke. So as his hand enters the water, tips of fingers. So look at, well, where are they going? Are they entering here? Are they entering here? Where are they entering? Are they wide? Are they shallow? Are they cross? Where's that going? And then, all right, so the picture starts to form. It's almost like, you know, painters who who start with a rough sketch and then it builds and builds and builds with layers. So you look at that and say, all right, now what about wrist? Fingers are above wrist, same with wrist. Where are they? All right, well, where's elbow? Is elbow fingers, wrist, elbow? And so you're starting to build this overall picture by looking at little bits and then okay where's head and hips where's the alignment go a little bit further where's knees is knee bending too much not enough straight legs bent legs wide legs cross legs going to the feet feet pointed sharp where, where are they so i tend to go through it all the way and say all right i've got a bit of an idea i think this is probably uh feel at the top end and a bit of a body balance or a or a head hips issue so then i go the other way I go back and see if I can see what I saw because, as you know, you it, very dangerous to look at a swimmer over three strokes and go, I know exactly what the problem is because I think for a lot of us, we've got we've got a, a, a bent or a, a, we see one thing because mm. we've had swimmers in the past or people we've worked with in the past where we've gone, oh, that's an alignment issue. I fix that. Everything gets – sometimes it is, but sometimes there's something else happening. So – by going tips of fingers, tips of toes, a little bit of a think, and then go back the other way, I'm seeing it from a different angle, different perspective, and I go back and on the second pass, you go, okay, I've got a pretty good idea of what's going on here. And then we start to go, what are the solutions from there? Yeah, so I like that. It was, it was tips of fingers, tips of toes, and then uh, what we talked about before, toes to fingers. It's like when you're writing a book uh, and you want to proofread to make sure that you're 
uh, you've spelled everything correctly, you read the sentence backwards because it doesn't flow as well. And so the, the misspellings will pop out. At least that's the way we used to do it. Now we got chat GBT to tell us whether or not, (laughs) which is a a whole nother scary topic. Be careful with that, man. I've heard some terrible stories about that already. Yeah. I listen to a lot of tech stuff and I, it's the one (laughs) post I I haven't posted anything to Facebook for a while. And I posted something. I said, just pull the plug on the thing. It's not ready. Um, But the, uh, I mean, what you're talking about, I have, I have, told people when they leave here, when they go on their own, that they are now part of the process. They can't just do the drills. They can't do assignments. They can't just think, but they have to focus on one thing at a time. And um, I don't know if I have one here or not. No, I don't. I'll talk about it another time, but I knew I had a coin here. It was the coin that uh, your ambassador gave me in Florida when you were being inducted or getting your award down there. And so you introduced me to the ambassador. So I am a friend of Australia. I just want everybody to know it's official. I have the coin and I have that right there. Um, but when they leave, I say, take one, one length and just think about your hands and just start working down the process. And so I'll ask them, what's next? It'd be forearm. What's next? Elbow. What's next? Bicep. What's next? And so, you know, you swim so many lengths and people think that the culmination of the lengths is going to make them better. But if there's no focus, then just by going back and forth, we all know that from inst- from instinct, anything we do instinctually is going to be wrong um, because we're just not meant to be in the water like the frogs. Um, they're, they're meant to be there. They're shaped right. They know what to do instinctively. Our instinct is just to survive. That's it. And unfortunately, which we will see in a few minutes, uh, survival instinct does not help you go fast. Um, so, um, so one of the things that we talked about is to first see everything, then look for specifics. One of the things I like to tell my swimmers is that if they have an opportunity to go to Olympic trials or NCAAs or Pac-12s or SECs, one of the most important things to watch in a learning standpoint is warm-up is to see the swimmer swimming smoothly and slowly and gracefully because it that in and of itself carries so much ownership when they go slow and they look so beautiful. That's how they go so fast is you first have to have that elegance and that gracefulness to you, which I think pretty much all great swimmers have. No, I think you're right there too, Glenn, that, you know, you do see that you see their, relationship with the water their connection with the water is is something special i think breaststrokers have have got it i think they they feel the water right around their body better than anybody else for whatever reason how teachable that is i'm not sure and i think you and i've had a discussion in florida about things like depth of drills i know we're talking about drills next week on the next episode but about you know the importance of even things like getting swimmers to do some of their drill work and their technique work a little bit deeper so they can feel the pressure of the water right around their body and and get that total body connection with water and moving through water. And that that smoothness and that ease that that um, you know I, I know one of the the things I like to do early on in clinics is I'll give young kids particularly to say, guys, we're just going to swim slowly and easily and relaxed. And I might even give them a rhythm like one two, three, four, and repeat the rhythm because rhythm leads to relaxation. And when we're relaxed, we can do anything. And just getting them to to feel that total connection with their body around the water, feeling it around every limb, around every part of their body, I think it's critically important, isn't it? Well, I think that we don't spend enough time just allowing swimmers to play just to kind of go back and forth um uh, the the theme of the week this week for go swim is is breaststroke sculling and um so i did the the zoom on tuesday and when i go back through the videos that i created maybe 10 10 years ago and watch them with uh you know just a different eye uh there was carlos almeida who was uh, swam for louisville he's from portugal he was ncaa champion in the 200 breast he did some drills that we posted that he's just basically playing underwater with sculling and feel. And it was so beautiful to watch. 
that I just don't think we allow swimmers enough opportunity just to try to experience the water and to create that relationship with it. Um, I've, I've, I don't know if I've mentioned, I'm doing Tai Chi with my 90-year-old mom twice a week. And it's mostly for her stability, but I've, it's really made me focus in some of the thought process and the talking that when we're making our movements, the, the, the instructor, the master is telling us to feel the air going between our fingers and to focus on that. And I'm, I'm so amazed that these are the things that I think about all the time when I'm swimming and, and to get other people to think about those things. Um, I don't think if, if they don't have it instinctively, if they don't have it, I think you can gain it, but it takes time and you've got to be patient for it. Yeah, I, I know when I, I talk technique with coaches and swimmers, I, I say the most important word that I can teach you is the word this. So instead of thinking about I'm going to do a lap of breaststroke drill is to just keep coming back to I'm going to focus on this stroke. In this stroke, I'm going to work on feeling with inside of calves or that to bring them back. And it, it look, in, in reality, what we're talking about is the application of mindfulness, mm. uh, a, a concept which comes from yoga, from uh, psychology, comes from Tai Chi, comes from that that living in the moment, being in the moment. And I, I look, you know, that's that's a great comment by you that that I think instead of saying, guys, our technique work today is six fifties, one thirty, uh, double kick breaststroke, off we go and assume that just doing that repetition is going to be the difference. Whereas I think that could be something for coaches to explore is to say, we're going to do some breaststroke technique work. And I want you to think about this stroke on this stroke, thinking about kick or thinking about drive or pushing the water back or whatever the concept is, or acceleration through hands and elbows or whatever the, the key is, but just to feel and be in that moment to be in that individual stroke rather than thinking, okay, well, I've got to do 26 to 30 of these strokes and I'm only going to count the lap. I think it's being in the moment and being in this stroke. There, there are so many pros and cons to having an endless pool in my backyard. Okay. So from a teaching perspective, I wish I had a longer, deeper pool that I could do underwater poles and dolphins and things like that. However, in a regular pool, what we don't do is something I do here almost every day, which is called give me one, okay? And so I'll set the pool speed and I'll say, okay, here's what you're gonna think about. Give me one stroke and end up in this position, okay? So this goes back to the Bruce Lee thing, okay? I don't fear a man that's practiced 10,000 kicks. I fear a man that's practiced one kick 10,000 times. And so my philosophy on teaching is that if I can teach them to do one stroke, with all of the components in it that we're working on, whatever stroke we're doing, if I can teach them to do one successful, then we're going to graduate to two. And when, you know, if they hold those things that we talked about through two, we're on our way. And so probably everybody that's been in the backyard has been through the process of give me one. And it's give me one, think about how your hands separate. If we're just talking about breaststroke, think about how your hands separate. Where is your head when the head when the hands separate? Okay, now that we've covered that, let's see, where do you come up? You know, so we go through the entire process, but it happens one stroke at a time. And that's the real benefit of this is that we can break down to the most minute details of how someone to build a stroke. And when you're doing that with a 10, 12, 13, 14-year-old kid, they start to gain an understanding of the process that other people have never heard because they're saying, do this drill. And, and the drills in and of themselves don't fix swimmers. It's how to, it's the process of what are you thinking about in this drill? And, and thinking about it intently, really intently. Yeah, it's true. And I, I I think we'll get into this a lot more next week when we're specifically looking at, at drills. But, you know, I think for that reason, some of those old teaching techniques around things like cues about giving swimmers instruction in big words. You know, I, I know when you're talking about things like backstroke uh, starts and, you know, 
thinking about, okay, well, I say to kids, what moves? What What's going to move? What makes sense? And so, well, hips have got to drive. So it's hips, head, hands, heels. Hips, head, hands, heels. Hips, head, hands, heels. So that the simplicity of a cue where they can think about one thing, two things, three things, four things, then in sequence, and they can build on it. If we overcomplicate it or we say, get on the blocks and, you know, do 15 different things, overly complicate it, overcoach it, well, they don't, they, they don't improve. Whereas I think that simplicity of one thing, one moment, one focus, and then build on it, it's, uh, again, from the session talking with the coaches in Ireland this morning, it was instead of saying it's about doing repeats, it's about repeated excellence because yeah. what we're after is minimum resistance at maximum speed. Minimum resistance is something you have to feel and you learn over time, but it's it's not just getting the repeats done. It's making every repeat count. It's It's so absolutely true, and again, the idea that we're going to make someone better simply by making them go back and forth. It's just, it's very, very difficult. Um, because again, as we've talked before, there are 8 billion different answers now for the individuals because there's 8 billion people on the planet. So, um, so kind of the next thing that we wanted to go through is just what you had talked about before, which is uh, the technique uh, checklist. And so, we're just going to put this on a ticker tape here and just, you can go through this and look at every one of these things. And this is actually a pretty simple list that, that goes through um, the whole process. So from what we've both talked about already, this is, can be any coach's checklist of, you know, start at the top and then just work your way down. And then I love where, where it went toward the end. You know, yeah, and going and going back, I, I, I love what you've done there, that timing flow. I, I know I got taught very early on by one of the best learn-to-swim teachers that I've ever known, and she said, think big to little, mm. think inside to outside. And it was because I, I at the time, I was at university, and as you know, you, you're young, you've been influenced very, very much by a brilliant biomechanist teacher and you've gone wow and they're showing you those 3d models of hand pitch angles at that perfect 45 degrees and so i remember i i came to her and i i, I thought i was a genius glenn i don't think that anymore but I, I i came up to carol and i said hey that kid's hands there and that kid's 45 this kid's 50 wow and i thought i had the solution and she said yeah but look at the kid think big to little inside to outside, they're, they're, where their head and hips are is good. Their breathing's great. Their balance, their symmetry looks great. I don't really mind that their hand is a little bit flatter because it's not going to make a big difference. I'm really think big to little inside to outside. And it's such a simple, simple concept to guide, again, this technical eye on how we look at technique. I had done a... a a little series, and I think I posted it to YouTube. It's by 15 years ago. And I talked about hand entry for freestyle like this, freestyle like this, and freestyle like this, okay? And so it was basically saying that depending on the individual, there's going to be variations. But, of course, everybody and their mother got on there and said, well, you, you know, you're going to destroy your shoulders if you do it this way, and you're going to, you know, you're going to miss this if you do it that way. And it's like, there's look, there's not one solution. Just because you've had an issue, with entering like this doesn't mean that every person on the planet has an issue entering like that. Okay. Stop thinking about there's only one way to do th something and open your mind up to experimenting. Look, if you've got a problem and it hurts to do that, don't do it. Do something else. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Who is the distance swimmer? And I should know this. I think he won world championships where he extends his hand like this and then catch us. So someone, someone's going to get on here and tell us, because again, I should know this. And I apologize that I don't. And I started thinking about that, that we would fix that. Okay. We would fix that, that it's something's wrong there because it's different. And then we think about it from a hydrodynamic standpoint, 
or a just the way the body lays on the water standpoint. And so most people, when they extend, they're like this. And then if uh, if they breathe, they kind of go down. Well, once you do that, you take any leveraging ability away from the arm. Now, I don't want everybody to rush out and start teaching their swimmers to extend like this and freestyle. This is one of those unique people that shows us another way. And it's absolutely stunning to see some of that stuff. And so always being open to things and not being so locked up, but looking at the checklist and seeing, okay, how is this athlete reacting to these, these things and these aspects of those things? So, um, but I think it's so important to have a checklist rather than squirreling, you know, being distracted by the, oh, that looks bad. That looks good. Oh, that looks, and then you're just all over the place. And then you lack consistency in the message. Did, did you see any of that 3D modeling that went right back to Barcelona that I think FINA jointly sponsored with ICAR, who was the Institute of, of Aquatic Research go, right. going way back. And they sent out, and I was working for Swimming Australia at the time, we got this book of 3D modeling from the Barcelona Olympics of stroke technique. And it blew my mind because it had Popov, then it had Sadovy and it had Perkins. So the, the winners of the, the 50, the 100, the 200, the 400, the 1500 men's completely different hand pitch. So different. And not only that, Perkins different significantly left side to right side. And it, 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 was, it was right in front of you. And then right. I, I remember talking that over with, the head biomechanist and he said oh yeah but the research says so but these guys are winning <laughs> i know the research says that and the research is based on you know oscillating shark fin models in a flow tank but these are these are the fastest swimmers in the world and what they're showing us is that the minutiae of 42 45 46 yeah great in an oscillating shark fin model in a naval research facility that's been hired by a university to test it probably is 45 degrees but what these guys are doing look at the big things good rhythm good flow yeah, yeah. Good timing psychology they, they're tough races uh they they flow through the water strong kick fatigue resistant great elbows body just nicely balanced and rhythmic and the big things were all there and you know, this minutiae of this, I went, it, that stuff's just not that important because there's no consistency in that area with these, with the, the five freestyle Olympic champions. So what is common? Rhythm, flow, balance, timing, all those things. And I think that kind of gives you a hint about where this has got to go if you're developing technique. So I, I had uh, I realized when I lived in Phoenix, when I said to a young swimmer that the feel for the water is so important to develop because every stroke is like a snowflake. And he kind of looked at me and I said, what do you know about snowflakes? And he says, they're all the same. And I said, oh, my gosh, you've never seen snow, have you? And he said, no. <laughs> so I said, that's the thing about snowflakes. There's no two the same in the entire history of, of the world. At least that's what they say. But the, uh, the idea that the way I see it is that every time you put your hand in the water, that water is different. It's flowing different. It's something is happening to it. And so to, to say that it should be exactly at this angle or this angle, especially if you're talking to open water swimmers, triathletes, people like that, Man, you cannot have, okay, you, you must be at this angle. It's about the feel. It's yes. about the, you know, it's about how you interact and engage with the substance of water and how it passes by your body to the point that you change someone's body position a little bit and everything feels different. Because in my opinion, the body is being 100% activated and touched by the water the whole time. And so when you change something, the water flows past the body differently, which will impact what it feels like. And so small changes will have great differences in feeling. And that's why everybody says when they change something, that feels weird. It feels wrong. And, and it's because one small change changes everything. It changes the way the water goes past your body. That's a great point with the masters, the open water, sorry, and the, and the triathletes is is you know that and, and we talk to them 
constantly, don't we, about the 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 minutiae of stroke mechanics is not as important as your ability to feel and connect with the water because you know the the, the session I I'd love to do with us as well is I call power and pressure is that the the what the essence of what we're doing from feel is if you can feel the water you can then apply pressure to the water because you know what pressure feels like it feels different to no pressure so you apply pressure once i can apply pressure i can apply power if i have no feel if i'm not understanding that ability to connect with the water i can't apply pressure to it i can't apply force to it because i think a lot of people think well i if i do more strength training i use bigger paddles i do more distance i'll have more power therefore i'll go faster well no it's only it's only faster if it's faster that it's only faster if they've got that ability to connect with that substance, feel it to be able to apply pressure to it, and then I can put the power on. Yeah. If I don't feel it, I can't apply pressure. All the power in the world is not going to make you a fast swimmer. It, it, the, the, the importance of this, Glenn, when you're dealing particularly with triathletes uh, who, who are, are so desperate to do a lot of work and they're some of the most motivated people, yeah. driven people to, to be successful. Doing the work is not the issue. They 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 train 20 times a week if you ask them to. Right. But yeah. the subtlety and the beauty of learning how to connect with the water is going to make a huge difference to them. So I have two illustrations. The way that I like to teach freestyle swimming is that you have to imagine that you're laying on – the surface of the water and in front of you are very very thin panes of glass and so you put your hand on that pane of glass if you pull too hard you'll break the glass it breaks wow. you have you have to connect slowly push very softly to get some momentum going and then it always has to be just that very subtle uh, aspect i had a swimmer here last night that i challenged her to start counting her strokes she's 13 years old um, a little bit early mature and so very strong. And I said, I want you to count your strokes. And then I want you to try to do a couple sets with one stroke less, but you have to go the same speed. I said, how are you going to do that? What are you going to do? And the first thing she said is I'm going to pull harder. Hmm. And I said, I said, that's instinct. I said, that's where you're thinking. I said, so I want you to do something for me. I said, stand in the water, put your hand in this position. Now, as hard as you can, pull your arm back. So of course she pulled her arm back, had a whole arm in the water. And I said, what happened? She goes, well, nothing. What do you mean? I said, yeah, water gets out of your way. The harder you pull, you break through that. It's just going to wrap around your arm and it's just, nothing's going to happen. So what you have to do is you have to shape your body differently. You have to think about the extension you have to. So we went through a series of, of exercises and I said, when we were done with him about 10 minutes later, I said, how many times did I mention your pole? She said, never. And I said, how many times did you think about your pole? She said, I didn't. Because you take their mind somewhere else. You take it into the rotation, into the extension, into the speed of going from one side to the other, into head position, into where the hips are, how the legs are engaged. But you never talk about the pole because as soon as they talk about the pole, everybody's going to pull. I said, did you pull while you were doing these other things? And she said, yeah. I said, see, you're not, not going to pull. But if you think about the pull, if anything else falls apart, the pull is useless. Yeah, That's we a great example. <laughs> it's, it, is, it's a, it is a great example. That's the, isn't it? It's the old don't think about a pink elephant thing. It's uh, first thing you do. And you, you're obsessed with it. And you're thinking about it too much and you know going back to our our original discussion around technical eye i think that's why i i i, I wanted to share this with coaches on today is that to as they say to a, to a, someone with a hammer every problem is a nail that if you think the secret to freestyle success swimming success is 90 degree elbow bend that's all you tend to see so you go right all the drills all the focus is it's got to be 90, it's got to be 90, got to be 90. And you lose the forest for the trees. You don't go, well, yeah, they've got a great 90-degree elbow bend, but they've got a 0.4 of a metre distance per stroke. They've got no feel, they've got no alignment, they've got no kick. But yeah, their elbow is great. Fantastic. 
I think it's I, I, the car analogy is always an easy one to pull out, isn't it? But I often say, you know, it's like having a car with a terrible motor, an awful gearbox, awful diff, but new tyres. Who cares? <laughs> Honestly, who who cares? Or, or you know, they've got great tyres, a great gearbox, uh, a great motor, a fantastic turbo, but no steering wheel. That that you know, the, if you look at it, that I think you can become overly obsessed and overly focused on the secret to swimming success is high elbow. Well, yeah, probably is if you're balanced, yeah, you swim with rhythm, you've got great connection, you've got flow, you're able to apply pressure, your breathing's comfortable, you're relaxed. Yeah, probably is pretty important. If you haven't got those big things, 87, 84, 102, doesn't matter that much. And I think that that coaches training their technical eye to go, not what I think I'm seeing. What am I really seeing? Take a moment, step back, big breath, tips of fingers, tips of toes, think, tips of toes, tips of fingers. I think I've got it. You know, the great line, one of the greatest lines, Glenn, I've ever heard in this industry or anything else. It's no good coming up with a great solution to the wrong problem. And it, <laughs> it, it's a, it's one of the, it's a friend of mine is in tennis and I'll repeat it. It's no good coming up with a great solution to the wrong problem. It's no good going, you know what? I've figured out how to improve this athlete's kick. Well, if their issue is balance and head position and breathing, right. it's not going to make any difference. And, you know, great. I, that, the development of the technical eye allows coaches to find a solution to the actual problem, not try to force a solution into a problem that may not exist. Absolutely. Which leads us to the next point, the coach's gut. Um, I had a swimmer here yesterday. His mom is his coach. He's a triathlete. And we were going through some different um, some different changes to his stroke and body position and things. And he, he'd pop up. And I was explaining to his mother, um, you know, what I'm seeing and what they can do to fix this long term. And so when he started doing this this particular skill correctly, he would pop up and I say, I always ask, how does it feel? I want some, I want some feedback because I want to know they're thinking about it. So I say, how does it feel? And he said, it doesn't feel right. I said, well, I got bad news for you. It looks right. And so yeah. if we agree that it looks right, then that just means that you haven't learned what it's supposed to feel like yet. So I have to follow my gut on this. And it's basically if, if uh, you know, there's, there's kind of this, this, gut check sort of thing where if it looks good and it feels good, I know we're on the right path. If it looks good and it feels bad to them, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to go with, you know, now it's going to be a little harder. If it looks bad and feels bad, we never do it again. Okay. So you're trying these things, but you got to follow your gut on it. There's no, there's no map for this thing. Hey, I've got a question though on, on you, when you do that, you know, cause you're, you're working with swimmer technique all the time how long do you give them to get the feel? Because I'm like anything. If I'm, I'm left-handed, if you said, I'm going to teach you to write right-handed, eventually I'll figure it out. And, but it's going to feel weird for weeks and months until I learn to write with the other hand. How, how long do you, do you say, look, I think this is right. It looks right. My analysis, my go swim stuff says, yeah, look, this is right. This is where we want to be. Swimmer says done feel right. How long do you give them? to, you know, sort of grow into the, the stroke change? It really depends on what it is. Okay. If we're talking balance or rotation or something, the real core principles, then it takes as long as it takes. And if it takes a, a month for them to really feel it, if you're changing someone's kick, if they're, if they've had a long history and you're changing a flutter kick timing or something, that's going to take a month to two months probably before they get it. But you'll know almost immediately if the technique that you're trying to teach them is incorrect if it looks just the, this, uh, the sequencing is off, they can't get it. You can't force someone to do a drill correctly. If they don't get it, then move to another drill. There's always something else. Um, but you're looking for what is what do you want to see them be a year from now? And when oh. you're working with a 12 or a 13-year-old, what do you want to see them be five years from now? And so, you know, it's it's reshaping. I had, I had a triathlete here a, a few years ago that spent 12 weeks with me 
that um, he even said that it's kind of on our marketing cards. It says, you think you got problems. I spent two weeks learning how to blow bubbles. And so <laughs> we went all the way back to scratch and started over. And he ended up getting a silver medal at the Tokyo Olympics in the, in the, the team relay triathlon. Um, so sometimes you just have to force people into changing things completely. This is where age group swimming is a real problem because they want to swim fast this season. Yeah. And this season might not give them the time to make the changes necessary for them to be great swimmers when they're 18. And so the, the impatience factor is one of those things that that is probably the biggest deterrent of people really achieving their goals. Yeah, I agree. I, and I, I think that's the, you know, you see it all the time in age group swimming is the obsession with short term and immediate results leading to increasing training volume, more dry land workouts, reinforcing the things that aren't really working anyway. And the kids get a 14, 15, 16, and they go, man, I'm already doing 10 workouts a week. I'm doing three gym practices. Three. Where do we go from there, coach? If, if Gennady Turetsky was, was full of so many ideas, I, I talked a lot about him this morning on the speed session, and he said, more work is the last option and yeah. it's a beautiful line and he said he said because if your solution and i don't come up with a great solution to the wrong problem he said if your solution to every problem is at a session sooner or later you're just going to come to a dead end where you can't continue to just build physiological capability that at some stage the limiting factor will be technique skill mental and emotional management flexibility, all those things are going to be your limiting factor. It makes more sense to put, if they're not performing, technique, mental skills, recovery, more sleep, flexibility work, do all those things. And if you're still not getting a breakthrough, by all means add a session. But if more work is the only option you've got, you're going to come to a dead end very, very quickly. And the swimmer's ability to achieve their ultimate potential is going to be compromised. Absolutely. That's fantastic. You said that last week. I think Bob Bowman said that they do just enough work to accomplish the goals that they want, you know, not the way that it used to be. So yeah, great line by Bowman, isn't it? That it's not, it used to, I mean, I'll never forget it. And I, and I wish he put it on a t-shirt so I could buy it, but he's quote, and I remember it very clearly. He said, the old way was what's the most amount of work we can do before we break down. Now it's what's the least amount of work we can do, but win. That's and it's it's it doesn't mean do no work. It exactly. means let's find a way to be successful without finding a way of breaking them down completely. That that's just old thinking. Misunderstanding of very simple statements with very profound statements is yeah. is also a big problem. It's not spending enough time listening to the whole story. I wrote an article a long time ago called "Helping Your Swimmers Retire." And people gave me so much grief about how could you do this? How could you? I said, there's a big difference between quitting and retiring. And so if you read the article, it talks about how you have to have this long-term development process. You have to have them love the sport enough to stay in it until maybe they're graduating from college. Maybe they've made it the whole way through college. That's the big thing. A huge difference between retiring and quitting. Too many swimmers quit because they don't love it, because they just get beat up. So, um, so what we've got going on the bottom here is our technique checklist, you know, things that, uh, you know, that you can use or what tools you can develop. I'm sorry, what tools to, to develop the technical eye. So Wayne, you go for it right here because experience and I, I love it. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the next question you've got is, is, all right, have you got a good eye for technique? You can develop it over time and, the the bottom line is is we know that coaches learn most they learn by coaching they learn by working with other coaches and they learn by solving problems when they need to solve them and and google and youtube and there's so many great resources there that if you've got an issue around technique and developing a technical eye you can do it some of the best things you can do is, and and I, I really encourage this, and I know I'm doing a lot of this in my what I call my day job, but um, is to put up 
a swimmer's technique, and I think one of the reasons we're, we're having our technique time feature is one of the best things you can do is put a swimmer up in front of a group of coaches and say, what are you seeing? And even from an exercise like that, Glenn, you could do it in your own club with your coaching group is once a week. So, right, it's butterfly week this week and all the coaches come to the team meeting, the the coaches meeting with a one minute video of someone from their group. So the 11 year old group, uh, the junior group, the state championship group, the national team, bring them all, all the coaches come in and they put up some underwater footage from using maybe a GoPro or something like that, or their camera on their phone, doesn't really matter, and say, this is a young girl in my team, our high school group, and let's have a look. And all the coaches look and they say, well, you know what I see? I see it's a hip issue. Oh, well, I actually think it's a hand entry issue. Oh, no, it's a kick rhythm issue. And they start to work together to solve the problem rather than say, okay, well, the drill that we do to fix butterfly is one-arm butterfly, breathe to the side. That's the drill. Well, no, how do we fix the technique? Well, I've got to see what the problem is. Sometimes having a group of coaches sharing their eye is the greatest way to learn. It's such a great way to learn. And I know certainly my experiences in the the past with the Australian team a long way back in camps and clinics is is the coaches sharing what they're seeing. I know the Americans are great at doing that, sharing technique. What do we learn? What do we see? What can we take from it? How can we help this individual swimmer? I think there's there's a lot of ways, but developing this technical eye, I, I think it's a it's a critical tool for swimming coaches, triathlon coaches, anyone who's who's trying to help people get better better at moving through water. I think the big thing that um, there's always the whether it's peer pressure, uh, just the normal uh, the normal insecurity that we all have we we want to be the one that has the answer and we're too afraid to have the wrong answer to not ask the question uh would this help would this work you know and to experiment and i think that as i get older i'm less worried about having the answer and more worried about not having uh, an idea of maybe something to try um and so you know, it's it's I think I talked about it before that when we went around the country, the young swimmers would tell us what they do. And the old experienced coaches would say, what don't I know? And, uh, you know, tell me, give me something that I'm missing. And so share. Uh, so you always have to. I, I thought it was great working with other coaches and uh, observing and just talking to people and just, you know, asking a lot of questions to your swimmers. How does that feel? What, you know, what are you changing? I love the swimming yourself one um, because that's one of the things that it's easier. I've got some go-to things that I know exactly what it feels like. And almost 100% of the people that I've tried it with, they feel the same thing that I feel. So I can tell them what they're going to feel before they do it. And I had one woman say, oh my gosh, how are you doing that? You're in my head. (laughs) There's only a few things. But if, if you can get them to buy into what you're saying, they will listen to you more intently. And by experiencing some of these feelings and being able to identify and tell that to someone, they're going to listen to you much more intently than if you just say, get your elbow to 90 degrees. And here's why. You know, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I that, that you just look at the world now, you know, even broader terms, it, it, things like political messaging without making it too controversial. It, it's it isn't it isn't facts. It's not data. It's not what's written. It's feeling. We, you know, we're all there. We're trying to get people to feel something. Politicians are great at it. That if we're human beings, so much of of our existence is around. Well, how does that feel? And I and and how does it feel to me? How does that how's that making me feel? Uh, is I think if we can get that through that connection and through building a relationship between swimmers and triathletes and the water. So they feel what's going on. They actually sense what's going on around them, that everything changes for them. If they get that, everything changes. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got to move forward here. So we're going to get to what we call technique time. Now, this was the first someone had had asked for some evaluations. And so we're going to go through very quickly uh, four strokes of this this very brave uh, master swimmer 
that sent me some videos. And so what we're going to do here is share the uh, um, share the screen. Let's see, add to stream. Here we go. So let me get rid of this thing. Okay. So when we look at evaluations, when we look at uh, when we look at giving feedback to swimmers, we could spend a lot of time looking at what I call glimpses of greatness. And you can see that how her arm is rotating into the catch position is just beautiful. Little lift on the head. We could go through all of this stuff, but having already gone through four videos, which I'm going to show you very quickly, we're going to look at something. What is the overall thing? What is the first thing that she has to do? So I'm going to get to this point on the video. I'm going to come up. And even though we said, you know, angles and things, you know, I don't necessarily look at too many angles when I'm doing this stuff. But the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to try to make sure that the line that I'm creating. And so uh, I'm going to line up the, the first point on the lane line. And let me grab this one. Just make sure that that is parallel. So when videos come in, they're going to be a little bit off. So you can see the camera's a little slanted. And this top lane line, uh, if you look up here, this one up here is a little off, mainly because it's a, a wide angle lens. And so it's got a little slope to it. So now that we know where the, the, the parallel to the surface is, we're going to take this one and we're going to look to see what her body line is. And we're going to, you know, just kind of look. So nine to 10 degrees out of alignment. And we see that through the course of the length because her hips are always slightly under the surface of the water. Okay. So there's freestyle. Let's go up to backstroke. So we're going to do the same thing on backstroke. We're just going to kind of look. Everything looks pretty good. So I'm going to praise this swimmer on the things that she's doing very well. But let's go again at this point. So let's take this. Let's try to get our uh, our surface of the water. This lane line looks a little bit better that time. So let's take this down to about where her head is, and then look at look at the the body line here when we start to go down. Again, about ten degrees out. Okay. So now we're going to go to what's next? Breaststroke. So breaststroke. We're going to look at this, and we just a little bit farther down here. And especially right here. Okay, we'll look at it again. We'll go through the same process here. They're gonna get the that set there. We're gonna try to make sure that we have the angle right. So we're gonna get it right about her head position. Then we're gonna look down here 15 to 16 degrees out of alignment. Okay. So think about the resistance that this athlete is creating as she's going forward in what is supposed to be a pretty good glide line position. And then finally, we're going to look at her butterfly, okay? I think you know where we're going here, right? So I've already messaged her. I've already told her what I'm going to tell people so that she's not embarrassed or anything. Because the first thing I wanted to tell her is that most of her strokes are pretty darn good. So from a technique standpoint, I think she's doing a good job. But look at that, how deep she is, 22 degrees. So what's the only thing I'm going to tell her to work on? It's not going to be stroke. It's not going to be, you know, kick timing. It's not going to be anything. The first thing that I want her to do is I just want her to work on balance. Yeah. When you say balance, what do you mean? Because, you know, over the years I've, I've heard, you know, some things like lean on your chest or swim with your head in a neutral position as if you're walking down the street. So we've got that head hips alignment is critical when you see an athlete like that. Cause I agree with you when you, if yeah. you, if you only looked at hands and elbow bend, you go, there's a lot of good things going on there. There's, there's some things there. There's a lot of things to like with little things don't look too yeah. bad. But right. then when you look at this big thing, which is body alignment, you go, well, hang on a minute. Uh, um, the, the, the alignment just is critically important. So What's your what? What's the the phrases that you use or the terminology you use with the swimmer to say, okay, we're going to have to lift and change this a little bit? We try to make sure that every swimmer that comes here can float flat on the surface of the water. Okay, and so the athlete that we use most is Brad Tandy. So Brad Tandy in the backyard, big guy, floats absolutely perfectly flat on the surface of the water. Another one uh, that I have some good video of is um, uh, uh, shoot. Anyway, we'll go with Brad Tandy. Um, so great swimmers can lay absolutely flat on the surface of the water. 
if you don't master that, if you don't master that proper pressure, then you're going to be using some part of your body to leverage up into that line. And whether it's the kick or pressure or, you know, just different things that you're going to use, it's going to take away from propulsion. So what do we do? Uh, everybody starts with the same exercise. And if they're not able to do that, I buy noodles in bulk. And I may have said this already. So I'll cut a piece of noodle about that long, just a swim noodle. I'll come out with a big butcher knife and a noodle and it gets their attention. And I cut the noodle <laughs> and I say, now hold this between your ankles or hold it between your feet. And that little bit of buoyancy starts to bring the back up. So then you teach them the body line or the balance line or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And I tell them, now it's your responsibility. You're going to practice this for one to two weeks with this noodle. And then after you feel good about it, cut an inch off and do that for one to two weeks, then cut an inch off. And so within two to three months, if you're really willing to invest that time and then you continue to practice that, you'll never have to worry about that again. Then all your lines are going to be nice and straight. But it's it's not a quick process. It's the simplest and the hardest drill for most people to learn. Do but, you find... Do you find when you do that, that their first response is they'll say something like, I feel like I'm swimming downhill, or I feel like, I feel like, um, you know, my head's going down too far. I, yeah. I, I get that if I've done those tight and the way you do, it's much better. But when I've fiddled with things like that and you'll go, yeah, well, that's sort of, you're sort of getting it. Is that you feel like you're swimming downhill. It's because you're starting to get, to a place where your body is working with you and working with the water rather than trying to work against the water, which is the way that you, do you, do you get that type of phrase? So the way that, the way that it really happens is that if they're generally sitting up and then they lean forward, they're going to hit the water with more of their head, more of their shoulders. All right. And so it feels like they're burrowing or pushing themselves yeah, through yeah. the water. That's the biggest thing. And so, once we look at the analysis, once we look at everything and show them that the amount of surface area that they're that they're going to hit the water with is much less than the number of square inches or centimeters that they're dragging through the water. And so they have to learn a new feeling that this has got to be down more than they think it should. But again, that's that feeling that I talked about before, that sensation that if I'm pressing down here, the water flows past the body differently and it feels wrong. And it feels like I'm pushing through the water because they're used to feeling the body like that. Yep. And they think that as long as my head is high, then I'm going to, I'm surfing on top of the water. It's the, it's the iceberg principle, right? <laughs> yeah. A little bit on top and you got this massive thing underwater. We got to hide everything underwater. So that's the, the biggest thing there. But um, yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to write back to her and talk to her. I'll give her more details, you know, but at the same time, her overall thing is she got to spend the next month to two months just getting this. And then everything else that she's doing is going to be great. So and does she realize she's about to become the most famous analyzed swimmer in the entire world? Because, you know, when our numbers start hitting two to three million views a week, Glenn, that she's going to be the single most, she'll be watched more than Katie Ledecky, Missy Franklin and Michael Phelps combined. One of the reasons that we're such good friends is that you're the most eternal optimist I've ever met. So, <laughs> I know the numbers from our first week. We got a way to go. I mean, it's 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 okay. We're getting there, but but all kinds of fun. But what do we got next week, Wayne? Well, I thought next week, building on from technical eye, it, to me, it would be logical for us to talk about drills. And you've got more drills than the biggest hardware store. I've, Never seen anybody yeah. with more drills than you've got. I, I, I what I, here, I here. would, I think we could talk about next week. Very much is, all right. Well, there are some beautiful drills available and some things that look wonderful, but how do you actually use them? And yeah. when do you apply them? And the thing I'm really interested in too, Glenn, always is, we bring in a drill, and uh, what speed should we do the drill at? And how many of them do we do? And when do we know we switch from this drill to another drill? And there, there's a lot of questions around the, the real nuts and bolts of drills. So I think what coaches do is they, they go, wow, that's a good drill. I'll use that one. Oh, that's good over there. You know, that old, the, if you believe in nothing, you'll fall for anything. Yeah. And I, I think coaches need to say, well, hang on, what's my philosophy on technique? What am I seeing? 
And then what drill is going to help me solve that specific problem with that swimmer rather than saying everyone in my team does double kick breaststroke or uh, shoulder rotation backstroke. We all do the same drills. That's like using the same tool for every job around the house, whether you need a screwdriver or a wrench. Uh, Yeah, with your expertise in in drills and technique, and then you know how do you how do you progress a drill, integrate it into a training program, and and test it under speed and pressure and fatigue situations. So yeah, looking forward to it. Should be great. We'll hit it. We'll hit it. All right. Great job. Thank you very much. I will see you next week. And thanks, everybody. Uh, give us suggestions. And uh, don't forget, send in your video. We'll put it in the show notes where you can send your video. And if you're chosen, we will, you know, we'll make you feel good. But uh, we'll make some corrections probably. Oh, absolutely. We'll make you better. No problems all at right. all. Thanks, Glenn. It's been great. Thank you. See you. Bye.